0: If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter two. Acts chapter two. And uh, tonight's a little bit different in that uh, we have been in like a more sermon series where this is really kind of a standalone for us. And when you when you hear the interview you just heard, and maybe even when you hear some or at least parts of. What we're talking about tonight, you might think, why are we talking about this on a Sunday night? Chad, think about it. Like, we came back, right? We're we're the ones that probably are already in life groups. We we understand. In fact, many of us just left a life group leader meeting to come to this. Like, we we know the value of true community and of of life group stuff. And so, um, I. I get that, but here's here's what I'm hoping that doing this at night will bring about for us. It's that we will be reminded of the significance to the point that it compels us to impress these truths to others, right? Just because... uh, I'm preaching to the choir, to, so to speak, doesn't mean that the choir doesn't need to be reminded. Like All of us need these reminders of, of the value of relational community. So Acts chapter two, and we'll begin in verse 40. This is right after Peter's sermon at Pentecost comes to the end of that. Verse 40 says, with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. So when we think of true community, pretty much any time I think about words like community, fellowship, uh, relational work that happens in life groups, small groups, Sunday school, this is the text. That comes to mind when I when I think of the uh, in in many ways like the uh, what what if you're asking me like one passage of scripture that's going to help me understand what the church does it's most often this text that I go to this is what we do and so I want us to to think some about that and the first the first reality that we'll see is that true community is for the saved. True community is for the saved. Those I went to the those first couple verses before. Like if your Bible ha, is broken apart in the little subcategories, the likelihood is uh, yours breaks at verse 42. Is that what yours does in your text? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I know it's night, but thank you for the. Yeah, I like it when you're awake. Okay. So so most of ours breaks there at 42. But what happens right before that is that salvation takes place, right? All the people that they're talking about are believers. We're not talking about just anybody. We're talking about believers. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm all for us inviting those that might be lost into a life group, into even our worship gathering. We want them to to see and experience what it really looks like to have such community. But true community is for the saved. This makes me think of... um, like that, that phrase, which is in scripture, but uh, the phrase unequally yoked. Y'all know that phrase? Yes, okay. And in that, most of the time, we equate, rightfully so, that unequally yoked phrase with marriage, right? Don't marry someone, that, basically don't marry someone that's not a believer, right? Because you're trying to, to do this thing together. Well, uh, what, what Ernest just said is that in life group, you're trying to do life Together, right? And what we, what we sometimes do is we try to quote unquote, do life in our, uh, in our area, like our circle at work or our, our circle of friends from the neighborhood that, that might not be saved. And just because we, we have similarities because our kids are the same age or they play the same sport or we, are, uh, we have a similar job, that does not make us equally yoked together. I was even looking some of this up uh, about being unequally yoked. And so when, when an ox is unequally yoked, like tied together in order to, to plow, it's unequal because one is either much stronger than the other or like one is taller than shorter, right? We're glad that that is not what this is referring to, or all of my friends would, would be very short. Um, but thankfully, Gino, we can be friends, man, uh, in this. But right, right. So uh, when, we, when we think about this, our, our care for one another happens best because we are believers together. How are we supposed to care for one another in the best possible way, know each other in deep ways, support each other, celebrate with one another if we're not even working towards the same goal? Like your celebrations are different celebrations when you're not believers, and one or one is and one is not. The things that make you grieve, grief is different for the believer than the unbeliever. Even your... Even the fact that you're going to have prayer requests are going to be different if you're a believer than if you're not. So true community is for the saved. And, and so when we are inviting others into that, in some ways we're inviting them to observe it, to see what that really looks like. And that's where I think what we'll find in these next few verses is what does that true community for a believer look like? Well, true community is relational. It's relational. Look at uh, verse 42. And then we'll look at another verse. One, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and fellowship to breaking of bread and prayers. Then in verse 46, it says day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. This, This sounds a lot like they were living together, right? They're, they're together day by day, attending temple together, breaking bread in their homes. I hope that, that your life group does not assume that the only time you're allowed to talk to one another is in your life group hour on Sunday morning. In fact, you're missing a big chunk of the significance or the effectiveness of life group is if that's, if that's your only hour. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you're supposed to eat meals with your life group every day. I am suggesting though that you should be, if we really are doing life together, then, then these things should be uh, activities that are going on regularly. This should be commonplace for you to, to share a meal. I know of one uh, life group that they, they've kind of created their own like supper club rotation so that there's two or three of them that are going to each other's homes uh, different, different times of like month or uh, every other month or however often just so they can intentionally be in each other's houses, right? That they can actually know one another in that way. So think about that, even in your own life group. I, I think about this text though, and I think about, uh, they, I guess in that interview, they talked about a few things that are happening in life group, certainly teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. There is the work of teaching the Bible. This is not like a social club, right? This is intended to be centered on the word. Whatever it is you're doing, it should be centered around the word. But there's more than just teaching, right? I loved that idea that uh, what, you, what happens in that room, uh, in life group room, is different than what happens in here. Uh, there's very few people that interact by raising their hands and asking a question during a sermon. Uh, my mom would do that, but... Uh, is my mom. So uh, there's that, right? But like most of the time, you're, you're in your teaching time and life group, it it's set up, it's designed for that kind of interaction and those those questions and that uh, insights to be offered and given. And so that's that's a worthwhile endeavor, but there's something more, there's there's fellowship. And I know that we can throw that word around a lot because we we even use that word to mean parties, right? hey, let's have a fellowship at so-and-so's house. What do we mean? Let's do what everybody else calls a party. Let's get together, hang out, laugh, play games, eat food, right? All of which is fine. But the reason we call it a fellowship is because the relationships that we have or have already established or hope to strengthen there are based on Christ. And, and the, the work of encouragement that comes with fellowship is different than just a party, than just a social gathering, uh, eating a food together. There's something different about fellowship and the difference is encouragement. When When you come together with your life group or other people even in this congregation, there should be encouragement that happens. You should walk away like filled. Now, I realize I'm an extrovert do you guys know that about me? Uh, I'm an extrovert. Some in my family are not extroverts. Uh, my dad, for example, is an introvert. Now he's a pastor, and so many people uh, would think like, "How does that work?" Dad, Dad is happy to interact with people, but it is it is exhausting to him. So I I leave uh, time with people and am like ready to go. Dad leaves time with people and is ready to stop. Right? Like it's done, emptied, completely done. And so some of you are like that and you might be thinking, "Man, if I if I if I'm with people, how is that going to make me filled? It it empties me." But I want you to know what I mean by that is not in your level of energy. Not your level of excitement for the day. It's that it fills you with encouragement that you can press on for the rest of the week. It's like I talked about earlier. This is the place that you should come to, not for just escape, but for greater encouragement for the rest of the week. Because when you go into the world and and things aren't so easy, it's really good to have come to this place where you are filled. Filled and, and better prepared, better equipped. So there's teaching, there's fellowship. There is food. That's not just a Baptist thing. Right? Like every denomination, by the way, I've found, everyone I've ever been to that ever announces something about food makes the joke that, oh, we're a good Methodist, so we eat. We're a good Baptist. They all eat, y'all. Every one of them. And it goes back to this text. I think every denomination agrees with this text that we should eat. Breaking of bread is eating. By the way, yes, many times we like to think that that is the breaking of bread is uh, taking the Lord's Supper. It can certainly be uh, an inference there, but this is talking about a meal. There's something different about, that happens for us when we eat together. I don't know exactly what happens uh, psychologically to us when that happens, but there's walls that break down simply because we eat together. <laughs> if you eat ribs together, there's a lot of walls that break down right? You just lose like every, wings, ribs, like that kind of stuff, right? You're just too bad. You're messy. We just got real close, okay? But there's something about that. And so so that kind of relational work that happens in sharing meals together. But there's also this last word in verse 42. It says, breaking of bread and the prayers, I I realize that there are all kinds of uh, preacher jokes that come about in regards to prayer request time in Sunday school. And how there are dangers of gossip being done during prayer request time. Honestly, I have not heard of that at Colonial Heights, so I'm very thankful for that. Please do not underestimate in any way the value of sharing what's happening in your life with your life group that they can pray for you. Like, the truth is, sometimes that's all they can do. Right? Uh, I, I think about... um medically, right, when 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 you have someone in the hospital that's close to you, the people in your life group are no, most likely not their doctor. They're not able to, to provide medical care. But you know what they can do? They can pray. They can pray to the healer of all healers. They can pray to him and ask for him to do what only he can do. When when your marriage is struggling, it's likely that there's not a there might not be a counselor in your life group, but you can ask for prayer and they can pray to the counselor, the wonderful counselor. There, there's all kinds of stuff that that we can't solve, right? When there's trouble at work, we're not your boss, but we can pray for you that God would intervene in unique and particular ways. I just, I want to highlight anything else that the need, like the need for in this relational work for the work of prayer. Believe in it. Scripture's filled with reminders of why we should be doing that. And by the way, He hears the prayers of children. So, boys and girls, when you're in your life group and someone shares something to pray about for their grandmother or their mom or their dad, or you have something at school going on and you want to have someone in your life group pray, your prayers are just as heard as mine. Students, when you, when you break up into your small groups and you're sitting around that table and you, you, you share something in that life group, that is, that is something that should be prayed for. Y'all should own that and care for each other well. I would also say that just because it's shared in a life group, this is for all ages, it does not mean that it is yours to share with everybody else. Right? So, so be open and honest. And this, this is that work of that true community is relational. Now, out of that is an understanding that true community is celebratory. Look what happens in verse 43. It says, all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They are in awe. They're celebrating what God is doing. God is doing signs and wonders. Did you know that God is still doing miracles? Like things that we would say, like those, those are inexplainable apart from the work of God. Those are miracles. Like there's, these, are, these aren't ongoing regular things, but there are other things that are ongoing and regular that we should still be celebrating. Think about it, like when marriage happens. When God honoring Christ exalting marriage happens in your life group, you should be celebrating it. This should be something that is good when when a new baby comes into the life group. That is that is worth celebrating. For some of you, when it's a grandbaby, I know you celebrate it. Right? There I, I really do mean this. Like life groups is the place where like baby showers should happen. Like that should be the group that, that just is so excited for those sort of celebrations to take place and, and that, God is, that, that, uh, that God is being delighted in, in the gift that he has given to these couples, retirement. I believe that's in many ways a celebration for many. So celebrate that, enjoy that. When you get a new job, celebrate that together, rejoice in that. Graduation happens, Right? Who's fired up about graduation? Raise your hand. Like, Okay, some of y'all, you have so much senioritis, you can't even lift your hand. That's so sad, right? But like, no, like, we want to celebrate that as a church, but your life group, you should celebrate that together. That's, That's an accomplishment. When you actually get good grades, like you actually studied and a good grade happened, like you should celebrate that together. Right, All of these things are, are when celebration takes place. This is the place that the best news should be shared with. Like when, when something just amazing happens, you should be eager to come to Sunday morning to say, I've got a praise report, not just a prayer request. I've got something to celebrate that God has done. These are the people who shouldn't just hear those things. They should pat you on the back. They should give you the big hug. They should be the first one. In fact, they should have already known to be praying for it. And then when it happens, they get to celebrate that it happened. So they're not just celebratory, but they are supportive. Look at verse 44 and 45. And all who believed, so this is still for Christians, all who believed were together, and had all things in common. In fact, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. If there is anything that the American church isn't great at, it's probably that second portion We see our stuff as our stuff. We have a tendency to, to close in on that. It's our house, it's our car, it's our bank account, it's our uh, kitchen supplies, it's our everything. And, and, and our culture has dictated that, right? We have we have shifted the way neighborhoods even are built, right? There's a lot more fences than there used to be, a lot less front porches than there used to be, a lot a lot less of the the neighborly interaction. But this is the reminder for us that when we know each other well, right? They they set up here that one of the reasons that life groups are so significant is because. The, the larger group is harder to, to know each other well enough to be able to even to know that there's a need. But that, that life group is when you can raise your hand and say, we are in need of such and such a thing. Somebody else to say, hey, I've got that thing, you go for it. I will say how thankful I am that I hear of those instances here at Colonial Heights and I hope those abound hope they just happen more and more and more that we as a church family, when we hear of needs with each other, that we'll just say, yeah, you can use mine. The whole mine is yours, yours is mine thing would really be true for us. Sharing is caring, church. The things you learn in kindergarten, turns out they're still applicable. What What, what are things you need support for? What about Marriages, right? I realize that even in a life group, it can be a little bit intimidating to raise your hand and say that your marriage is struggling, especially if your spouse is sitting right next to you. I know that I, I get it, but we need to be developing relationships here. That there, there has to be people in this circle that you can say that to. And uh, I, I just wanna say this uh, to, to men, uh, there are certainly pastors, ministers, I think uh, even specific, like Drew Baum, who is specifically works with men here in the church, that you don't need to ever feel like you're going at that alone. There are other men that would, would want to walk through Struggles and hardships with you, temptations that you've gone through. Ladies, n- nor should you feel alone. Diane wentworth would would absolutely, along with other women on our staff, other godly women in this church would would want to go through that with you. you. You do not need to feel alone. And if you don't if you don't feel like there's someone in your life group that you could kind of tap on the shoulder, then contacting one of us that I just mentioned, please. Do that. This is to be the place that you, you feel safest sharing those kinds of heartache. I know, in fact, I was just telling uh, some of the life group leaders a little while ago uh, about a sermon series coming out. I, I want you to know that at the beginning of the year, uh, right around the beginning of the year, uh, there will be a four-part sermon series on the Song of Solomon. Uh And not walking through that as like, just straight through reading it all, reading each part. And I know that all of the stuff that comes with Song of Solomon, I've read it. Um, But we're gonna be considering things like purity and faithfulness and love and sacrifice and how those are seen in the word of God and how even if you are not married, how those realities are significant for you so I just, I want you to know, um, don't, don't wait just for that sermon series to come around before you openly come to someone and say, we need some help. We're discouraged. We're having a hard time. Um, don't, don't wait for that. You could also have other areas that you need support with, right? Like parenting, that's, that's a hard job. I, I think about uh, Ford and Summer who have uh, sold those shirts for their adoption fundraiser. It takes a village. Right, that's not an uncommon phrase, but I'll just let you know, uh, you're our village. Like we're, we we we're counting on each other. In that way, we certainly hope so. Like you you, I'll say it in front of them. You have full permission to yank any one of my kids' necks. Right, like get them in line if that if that's what's needed. Right, which thankfully I'm very thankful for my kids. God's using them very well, but. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, But I am also thankful for you who love them just the same and, and want the best. And I want that for your kids, right? Like this is part of it. So when we're in life together, when we're, when we're having this true community, that's where relationships really do matter and they really do work so that we can laugh about those kind of things. And this, can, this is a part of it. But this is where we need each other's support. When it, What about things like sickness and hospital stays? I know that, uh, that this, this can seem really small until you're on the receiving end of it, but like getting a meal when, when somebody in your house is sick, like that can be a game changer. Just to not have to even think about what that, like take that question mark off. And so when that list goes around in your life group, uh, like it's so-and-so's meal time. Like, sign up for that. Send a DoorDash card, if nothing else. Like do something to, to help, right? Uh, but, but look for those kind of ways. True community is supportive. And finally, I would say true community is evangelistic. Look at the last verse. So they were praising God having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Do you realize that this falls on you? I wish part of me wishes I could just like go down the row and say each one of your names that it falls on you as a follower of Christ. It falls on you. Doing the work of sharing the gospel with other people falls on you. This is one of those like every eye look at me, right? (laughs) It falls on you. I was just reading in my uh, time with the Lord this week in the Sermon on the Mount and was reminded that um, salt that loses its saltiness just gets thrown out and trampled on the ground. It's useless. I wonder, have you lost your saltiness? I hope I have not. I certainly hope you have not. True community Because it has this kind of effect, people people then look and say like, how did you, how are you making it? Oh, I've got a support system that is unlike any other. It's called the church. How are are things for you? All these these celebrations are great already. I'm not alone in this. I had a party because everything's great and God's, God's supplying our every need over and over. How are, you, how are you growing so much? How are you learning so much? It's because I'm growing with other people. Again, I, I realize that I'm preaching to the choir, to the Sunday night group who came back. So all the more, hear me. We set the bar for this. We set the tone for how we care well for one another. And I want to plead with you to care well for your brothers and sisters in Christ. To be relational, to to care, to enjoy, to celebrate, to support in all of these ways. Ultimately, for the glory of God in all nations. We will do a better job of getting the gospel to those who've never heard if we're caring for each other best. We will do that. So I wanna, I wanna ask you to consider ways that you might need to slightly adjust, if any, after hearing these truths in your own life group. What might be some things that you need to do to invest more in the people around you? What are ways? Is it? is it, is it the evangelist work? Is it the supportive work? Is it the celebratory work? Maybe quite honestly, it's been really easy for you to come in and go out and have almost no relational aspect. And maybe that's an area you need to grow in. So I would encourage you to think along those ways. I do think though, here at the end, when it says that the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved, I think about those of you who might be in this room tonight who still aren't saved. You think, I want that. I want people who care for me that way. And I would actually be willing to care for others that way but I haven't given myself over to Christ. I wanna plead with you. Surrender yourself fully to Christ. Turn away from your sin and yourself. Turn away from the, like that, uh, the selfishness because all of this work is unselfish, right? So, so turn away from that. And instead trust in Jesus calling upon him for your salvation. In, in just a little bit, as we stand and sing, there, there will be some here in this room that would love to pray with you. In fact, that would love to exhibit some of this very this very work. Again, maybe it is that tonight would be a night that you you want to call upon the Lord for salvation. I want to invite you to do that. But but maybe you're one of these really like you just need somebody to pray with you hear me this is not like judgment time where like we're looking around and saying "Ooh, like a, i bet i know what they're getting prayer for No, like, this is the time that we we just ask would you be willing to pray over me you don't have to necessarily give a lot of detail and again so there there will be some in this room to my left that would just love to pray with you, pray for you. Maybe it is you, you just wanna come pray by yourself here at the altar, that would be fine. I want you to know that whatever the heartache, whatever the difficulty, whatever the hardship, there are people here that want to, to do life with you, as Ernest said. Don't try this alone. We were not designed to do this alone. Would you stand with me as we respond to the Lord?